This is Jackie Gatliff, Associate Pastor at Christ Church Memphis, where I serve as the director of our care ministries. And I am here today with two friends who I will introduce to you in just a moment. And we are here thinking about Mother's Day coming up, but we're thinking about it from the perspective of what it means to experience Mother's Day when our mothers are gone, when they have died. And so it is a thing that weighs on many women as we think about how to navigate um, the approach to it in the day itself. And so um, we wanted to give you an opportunity to think about what that might mean for you and your own experience. Um, I have here Julie Moroda. Some of you have met Julie Moroda through the many years of grief work that she has done here at Christ Church. She's a long-standing member here, very much a grief colleague with me as we do um, New Hope Grief Care together. And then Elaine Miller. I'm excited for you to hear from Elaine Miller. She is a new care associate on our team. And um, Elaine has... Um, just brings a lot to the table for us. She is going to be helping us move in some new directions in the care ministries that we want to be offering, not only Christ Church, but beyond the walls. But to, just to start, just all three of us have experienced the death of our mothers. So I just, Julie, just what is the name? What was the name of your mother? My sweet mom's name was Madge McNeil McFall. She was born in Mississippi, but moved to Florida when she was 12. So she was a good Southern lady. Um, grandparents were all from Mississippi so it's fun that I'm kind of close to Mississippi uh, now and so I feel her presence she died in Florida in January in January of 2016 almost um, about nine years after my father um, she had been healthy most of her life but she'd also done some major ear surgeries major jaw surgeries and in the end had Great Depression and dementia. So sadly, my mom's goodbye was a long goodbye. Mm -hmm. um, she was not even able to plan my father's funeral when he died in 2009. So um, I don't, though, have many regrets because I was able to fly down there about every six weeks to care for her and be with her and shop for her and um, love on her. So um, while it was a long goodbye, I felt like um, it was a sweet, when it was her time, it was her time, because her quality of life was poor. Um, my mother, well, her name was um, Barbara Brown Holcomb, and she was born in Boyce City, Oklahoma. And she died um, January 17th, 2012, and suffered... Um, quite a quite a long time with Alzheimer's mm -hmm. um, she and my father moved to Texas uh, in the 60s and so I was raised there and we moved to Arlington um, at one point and um, she unfortunately became ill um, right around the time my kids were born so we started to see a little progression 2001 and then my kids were born in 2005 and my dad continued to care for her um, up until her death in January uh, of 2012. My mother's name was Jackie Everett so I was named after her. Um, she was born in Charlottesville, Virginia. She was a Virginian. She had that classic Virginian accent and her way about her of doing things. 
Um, she had a, a quick death. She um, had a quick cancer that was diagnosed December 3rd, and she died March 24th. And um, she was, for me, she was young. She was 72. Um, total surprise for all of us because we called her, um, with great fondness, the jock grandmother. She had been a PE teacher and a state tennis champion and took all, did everything right. Then all of a sudden she had a cancer that they really could do nothing for once it was diagnosed. So, so mine was the quick one. Mine was, um, we were living in Michigan. She was in Richmond. Mine was jumping on the plane 11 times in three months just to go there when something was going on with her um, when she died. You know, there's something about, I think women, we love to share stories with each other. I think there are two areas that we are quick to talk about. We all have our pregnancy story. We want to talk about what that was like for us and our labor and delivery. Everybody shares that. But now, now I think we also have, um, we bond with other women when we have the stories of our mother's death. That if you just find out that somebody's mother has died, all of a sudden you may not know the circumstances or the history or anything, but you instantly, you have a connection with the person that's telling you that story because you have been in, you've had that moment when you went, oh, my mother died. And so that's a little bit what we're going to be thinking about today, just with the bond and how women react to the deaths of their mothers. So I want to um, suggest to you that there are several different ways that women can respond to the death of their mothers. So listen to these brief descriptions, and then, then I'm going to ask you, um, you know, if any of those suggestions or ideas resonate with you, what your response has been. But... But I typically say that there are four, four ways that we can respond. The first is that we can act as denial daughters. These are the women that they just, they move beyond the pain, the grief, and anger just so quickly that what ends up happening is that they almost negate their mother entirely. You know, their life story becomes, you know, I had a mother, she's dead, I've moved on. And so what happens for many women with that is that then there's almost this motherless martyrdom that focuses on the absence of their mother. So that's a denial daughter. I call suppression sisters or those ones that they just stay away from that hard emotional territory for fear and that the sadness will just overwhelm them and they won't be able to function at all. Sometimes they can be embarrassed by their grief and they're concerned that their friends will judge them thinking that they're depressed that they're weak or emotionally crippled. These are the women that are so afraid that somebody's going to say, um, haven't you gotten over it yet? Why haven't you moved on? They don't want to hear that, so they're not going to be in that position where anyone could ever say that to them. So they're just going to press it down. But what happens is that they end up just avoiding any of the memories that really could be important to access to bring about their healing. The runaway daughters... They determined that they will not face their grief for a number of reasons. The relationship could have been too difficult, or they're afraid of the, of the emotional pain. They don't know what would happen. They really went there, how, how hard it could be for them. They will feel if they explore and express their grief and life moves on, they believe it's impossible to resolve any kind of conflict with someone who died before they got the relationship straightened out. So what happens with that? They're stuck. They're stuck. They may have been runaways, but yet they're still stuck. Their feet are firmly grounded, almost in cement. They can't move. And then the mourners, those are the women that understand, you know, something significant has happened here. A person who was here, it was my mom, and she impacted my life in significant ways. 
whether it was wonderful or even difficult, she's gone. So it's, they know that it's okay to long for that relationship, for that person. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel all those feelings. And the mourners discover that through their grief, there are actually ways that they may continue a bond with their mother that moves them forward to a place of being able to remember, but with less pain. Okay, friends, do any of those resonate with you? Where, were, where would you be in that? Well, I would have to say that the first year after her death, I was in grief counseling fairly consistently. And then um, at the end of that year, I started to just kind of grieve on my own. And then some things in my life changed. And I would say at that point, I began to suppress and continue to suppress, I think, you know. But I do believe that that first year was uh, healthy and um, was very valuable. And I think that, um, so I would say I was three quarters of the way um, through the process. And now I feel like I'm maybe partially suppressing and partially a mourner. Um, Because my mom had the long goodbye, and also because I was helping facilitate a grief class at our church, um, it was kind of a a good thing for me in that I could um, express feelings and things like that. But also, because my mother had, had dementia and memory problems for so long, she really wasn't my mom when she died, and that sounds unkind, but she was just a very nice lady who knew that I loved her. And I would say to people, oh, I'm going to Florida. And they'd say, oh, how wonderful. And I'd say, "Mm, yeah, I'm going to take care of my mom. And they'd say, well, how was your visit? And there were some visits where she spoke three sentences. And that was hard because my mother was a talker. She was a newspaper reporter. She was the friendly person who knew everybody in the room. And so when it got to that point, so I felt like I had grieved early and grieved for a long time. And I felt like I had done my best to be there. When she died, she lived in an independent living apartment. Therefore, she died on the 21st of January, and we had to be out on the 31st of January. Fortunately, it was just two bedrooms, but it made me, it forced me to get rid of the stuff quickly. And um, in some ways, that was a good thing. Um, to not be able to dwell on the things as much. So I feel like I was I was a mourner, but I had the ability to mourn. You know, I'm looking at that and realizing that I have to answer the question that I've asked both of you, and I haven't really... Um, I look at it, and I realize that it could depend on the day. It could depend on the season. I could be any of those, you know, depending on, on what you know what's, what's going on. I think that... Um, you know, in some ways, I was the runaway daughter. I think there were some family complications that were, you know, dynamics that were going on around her death that were just very hard. Um, and so some of those, it's like, how could that be healed? Um, you know, not sure about that, you, you know. But but I think that that over time, um, and, and I think I neglected to say she died in 2005. So it's been, it's been quite a while. But I think that I did move towards um, being the mourner. 
and that I began to understand just the impact on my mother's life. I think the older I get, the more I understand her, you know, and just who she was. And that um, I have these moments now where I just say, oh, mom, you would love this. When something's happening with my kids, when my own grandchildren have been born, oh, mom, I wish you, you know, I long for that, you know, could, could, wish you could see that. But, you know, I think that, um, that it is becoming that mourner, that um, to move towards that can really be hard. I mean, that it just takes some good heart work to put us in that place. For some of us, it can be painful. For some of us, it may be easier. But, you know, I think that what we do learn and what people have finally begun to realize is that grief itself, it's not prescriptive, it's not linear. Um, we want to abandon the concept of the stages of grief because we understand that um, mourning, that grief, it's an experience that impacts us intellectually, physically, emotionally, and certainly spiritually. Um, you know, in short, you becoming a mourner, it changes um, who we are. You know, the day your mom died, you didn't have any idea how it would change you. And I think you really just spend the rest of your own life discovering how this woman did. And that's for the mom that has been absolutely wonderful and the one that gave us challenges. You know, no one's ever one or the other completely. But I think the older we get, we understand who we are as we understand who she is. You know, I like thinking about um, the continuing bond, which I've talked about a little bit already, that we can have with our mom. What kind of, how do you see a continuing bond with your mom? Is it evolving? Can you name it? You know, is there a situation you can point to and you realize that, oh yeah, I remember this about my mom? I, I love it um, because as I was thinking of these, some of these topics and questions, I really got to reflect something I haven't done in a while. And I realized that she was a woman of faith, that she was really my my woman of faith who, who showed me the world and the Lord and, and our church. She was a friendly person. She was loyal to her friends. She was a gift giver. That was her love language. Um, she was a fun person. Therefore, when I do something with a grandchild now, my husband will go, oh my gosh, you're like your mother. And I love that. I love that. She was um, a good cook, not a great cook. So I don't have this challenge to be the best cook in the universe because she provided and did fine. Um, she just was uh, a great person. And um, I, I like some of the overlaps now. Um, I do like you when I see, oh, mom, you would love this. You would love the grandchildren. You would love this, this stage of our life. So I was just, I felt blessed to have a good relationship, a great relationship with my mom. Well, I would have to say regarding the bond, I feel like talking about her and listening, like I said, listening to my family talk about her and her their perspective on her because over time she changed so much and then you have to think about um, the age of the child, you know, so my niece mm -hmm. is 17, my other niece is 32, and then my sister's 63, and so... For me, listening to other family members talking about their um, perspective of her and their impression of her, um, she was 
uh, very involved in our church. She was an elder at our church at First Presbyterian Church in Arlington and um, was very involved in, in that and in our lives and brought that um, to light for all of us too. Um, so I would say that um, her life was a testament to all of our faith and her um, love for hospitality and her love of uh, the grandchildren. You know, of course, I got to witness that maybe not so much with my children, but certainly with um, my nieces and nephews. Um, and she was funny. She was fun. She loved to be around people and she loved to entertain. And I think, you know, my sister and I have really taken that away from, mm -hmm. from our, from her. Um, but anyway, we miss her terribly, but we know she's in a better place. And um, I've enjoyed just continuing to, to think about her in all those, all those ways. I was thinking about my mom this weekend. Um, we have a, a favorite Gatliff family story of my mom taking my daughter when she was six years old out for school shopping for, for shoes. And so I had in my head what those school shoes should look like, you know, practical little running, you know, tennis shoes kind of thing. And, you know, I was excited about that, my, that my mother was buying those. And so um, she came home with, um, she had bought my daughter some red patent leather Mary Janes. How impractical was that for school? But so I thought of her this weekend when I went to buy my own granddaughter her Easter shoes. And I got the white sparkly little shoes to go with her Easter dress. And I just thought, oh yeah, mom would just say, see? See how much fun that is to do? To do the unexpected and just to, um, to enjoy that. You know, we are um, thinking, let me ask you this question. So we have a program coming up that we want to, we're going to invite women to at the end of this, as, of our time together called The Memory in the Mirror. Do you remember the time, the first time that you looked in the mirror and realized you were looking at your mom? Was there something about what was going on? Do you remember that? I can't remember the exact moment, but just some of the things I'll say or do mm -hmm. or looks um, remind me of her. And I wear a ring on my right hand that she wore. I didn't wear it for, for a long time, and now I wear it. So occasionally I'll look down and go, Mom, you're with me. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I would have to say other people saying to me, that sounded just like Mom, or... You know, do you remember the time she did this and you're doing that same thing with your hands? You know, um, she used to do this really sweet thing with my sister and I. She would put her hand on top of our hand and she would go back and forth with her, you know, her index finger. And it wasn't like a consistent rhythm. It was just really mm -hmm. kind of kind of very sweet. But my sister and I used to kind of laugh about it. But um, I don't know. I just, I think that... Um, I don't really know exactly how to pinpoint that. But there's an awareness there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you know her imprint on you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. I have people will look at me and they'll say, you know, that was just like your mother or you look like your mother, you know. And, um, and fortunately, I take that as a compliment. You know, I say, very good. Yes. Jackie Everett, that, that's, I'll, I'll claim her. She was mine. 
But we do want to invite you to join us on Tuesday, May 3rd for a program that I love doing it called The Memory in the Mirror, Daughters Reflecting on the Death of Their Mother. And that night we're going to, we will share the stories of our mothers and their death with other women. Um, women will be able to connect with one another over that um, experience that they've had. But we'll also be able to move forward to understand the hallmarks of the experience of grief and just understand how that works in our life. But also, we really want to be able to see the new hope that Jesus offers um, that may just possibly be an anchor for our soul as we grieve her today and in the days to come. I will also say this is a program I've done for 20 years. I am so thrilled to be doing it at Christ Church this year. Um, we, we are finally out of the pandemic, so we can do it. And I do it in honor of Jacqueline B. Everett, who died. Um, in 2005. So to, we want to invite you. We'd love to be able to host you well, so it'd be nice to know if you're coming. It'll be at Christ Church in, from 7 to 8.30 p.m. in our Seabrook Hall. So to register, you can go to ChristChurchMemphis.org slash New Hope, and you will see the registration there. There is no cost. Please just come and share in um, the memories of our mom. Thanks for being with us.